What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. It's a Thursday, so me and Andy are back. We're back recording an ACC conference preview. My mate, it's your, it's your conference. You must be excited for this one. It is, mate, but I'm, I'm not like excited for my own team. I've just been going through the schedule again before the least uh, fat drink out there. It's a, it's a good start. Um, but I've been just going through. My team has got probably one of the top five most difficult schedules in um, college football this year in, in Florida State. So uh, not optimistic about that whatsoever. Notre Dame, Clemson, Miami, Florida, all mixed in there with the kind of decent ACC teams as well. So that's that's not going to go well. But mate, yeah, th- this conference this year has got some proper good teams which have got like really really talented players that have just kind of go under the radar. I mean like your NC State, Wake Forest, like Virginia Tech, they've all got good players this year um, who could be kind of like, you know, really special players in the, in the NFL as well. So it's, it's really interesting to watch. Obviously, there's one favourite, as there always is. Their schedule outside of Georgia is like <laughs> just a walk, walk in the park. Like, what, what is going on? But there are, well, come on to it. There is a way I can see this Clemson team struggling this year. We'll go on to that in a bit. Um, it's something that we we never want to see injuries, but it's injury related. But um, other than that, you've got your Boston colleges with like my guys, A Flowers, who will no doubt talk about a bit as well. So, yeah, stacked full of uh, stacked full of talents. Uh, but the way we started every other podcast, I'm going to say it again: one great team, some very good teams, some average teams. So yeah. that, that, that's a good summary. <laughs> it it does it does seem like that. Obviously, on the face of it, obviously, as soon as like anyone's cross sort of sees or hears the ACC, it's like, well, that's where Clemson play. That's the Clemson conference. In the same way that you know the Big Ten is the Ohio State conference, as we kind of just mentioned last week. But like you say, I think there is. I think the middle section, as we're going to kind of, well, the next tier. I don't know how to best describe it. I think that's a bit thicker in the ACC than it is in most conferences. I don't think there's that much trash in it. And you might you might disagree with that. But I don't think there's, outside of maybe two or three teams, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, like your Syracuse, mm. probably pretty crap. Duke have produced the first round quarterback in the last few years, which is crazy, but they're still pretty <laughs> crap. Um, but other than that, like you look at them and they've all got their, they've all had their moments in the past, haven't they? And, and like teams like NC State are just so like unsung, but mm. could be eight win teams this year. I mean, I think their, I think their win-loss um, thing with the bookies is under or over 7.5. And I'm just sat here thinking, you know, that could actually happen. So, um, you know, it goes eight wins and, and you look at the schedule and it's definitely doable. So, yeah, really interesting to see how it goes. Um, not a lot of, like, fun out-of-conference games outside of the first week of the, of mm. the schedule, I think, which is quite interesting. I think... In the first week, you've got Miami against Alabama. You've got Clemson, Georgia. You've got Louisville versus Ole Miss. But then you're kind of into games like NC State versus Mississippi State. Syracuse are playing Liberty. Those are all kind of like interesting to watch. But yeah, there's not a lot of like fireworks on the out of, out of conference this year. 
Yeah, I was focusing on the schedules because the, the next thing we'd usually hit up is the teams to watch things like that. And I was looking at some of the better teams and thinking, you know, we kind of been going against the grain. We've not been saying Ohio State or Clemson and things like that. And I've obviously not gone down that route here. There's a couple of teams that actually avoid Clemson that are at the kind of upper echelons of the of the conference as well. And I think that makes them, you know, a bit of like a, a watch team. Because if you say, if, if I don't want to steal your point, I won't talk about this too much, but if Clemson do have a bit of a down year for whatever reason, I'm sure, like I say, you'll come on to that in a bit. You know, one of these teams really catches fire and really starts knocking all the rest of the teams out in the when they get to the conference schedule. Then we could look at, you know, uh, kind of what we had last year when we had Notre Dame, obviously, in the conference for a year. And it could be almost two dominant teams if one of these teams catches fire. Because like you say, there's plenty of talent. I think you mentioned uh, not too long ago that this this conference sends probably the most talent outside the SEC to the NFL. So, you know, there's lots of good players, lots of really fun players as well, as you mentioned. So it should be a really watchable conference this year, just as, as it has been for a long, long time, to be honest. Yeah, that's it. And like, if you kind of, if you're not playoff hunting, if you're not kind of, oh, I want to, I'm excited about the final four, then there's so much value you can get out of the ACC, I find. Like you, your average conference games are, are quite exciting. And like as a Florida State fan, when, when you play teams that are such different styles, like you, you run... Uh, against Georgia we've got the the triple option that kind of you know going out of that at the moment but you know they're still kind of known for that you've got Pitt who just produce defensive talent year in year out so it's quite difficult to break those guys down and then you kind of look across to like Virginia Tech who they've got the excellent entrance into the game obviously with the enter Sandman stuff and and the kind of you know the quarterback this year is really interesting for them as well which I'm, I'm sure I'll speak about in a bit so yeah, loads of talent. Um, obviously, you look at Miami and, and North Carolina as the main challengers, don't you? I don't, um, which we'll probably talk about again in a bit more. But um, both of those teams this year have got talented rosters, but both lost really important players to mm. the draft last year. So that's that's an interesting thing to, to focus on as well. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's get into that because we're kind of skirting around the issue of talking about teams. Are, I don't think either of us wants to kind of dive into that. But <laughs> um, I know that you've got a lot to say about this conference and you're probably much more knowledgeable than I am. So I'm going to go first with my team to watch. And um, it's one of the teams you've just mentioned, Miami. I just think, obviously, you've got one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch in the college football ranks. I don't think he's going to be an NFL player. He's too small. He's about what, five foot nine on a good day with some heels on. But yep. he's going to make Miami very, very watchable. And I think, you know, they had, they, and you're right, they did lose some talent, obviously, especially on the defensive side of the ball, especially on the defensive line uh, to the draft of his last year with like Jalen Phillips going to your Miami Dolphins, uh, Quincy Roche, uh, and obviously, you know, Greg Rousseau as well, although he didn't play last year. But they've got a couple of playmakers. They've had transferred in Charleston Rambo from Oklahoma, who I've also, you know, I've seen in the past. And he's also, you know, he's played alongside a lot of players at Oklahoma and maybe been outshone a little bit. Um, but he should be a decent receiver for them, I think. And then they've got Cameron Harris in the backfield as well, who about a year ago we were talking up, and then he kind of plateaued, didn't he, in his last season? Uh, didn't really improve. Didn't really improve on his numbers from the previous year. So you know, looking for him to kick on. And I know the guys on the uh, offensive line podcast a couple of weeks ago, Raj and Keith, they were talking about Zion Nelson at left tackle, hit and miss. Obviously, you know, one good season, one bad season. If he can kick on, like the guys were saying, he's going to be an absolute beast. You know, and then. Coming on to the schedule, and kind of this is one of the teams that I was alluding to earlier on. You know, outside of Alabama in week one, you know, let's just say they're probably going to, you know, going to lose that game. But outside of that, then out of conference schedule is pretty winnable. We've got App State, Michigan State, and, you know, we won't mention Central Connecticut State, whoever they are. Um, but, you know, they could win both those out of conference games. And then they've got no Clemson on the, the schedule. And then UNC is probably the toughest game. And like you mentioned, they've lost a whole bunch of playmakers as well. 
Sam Howell's obviously still there and, and there's, there's enough talent on the roster. Um, anyway, we will talk about that a little bit later on as well. But, you know, if Miami catch fire after that Alabama game, they could be looking, I mean, what did they go last year? Eight and three. So overall, they could look to get eight, nine, ten wins, I think, next year. Um, yeah. I don't think that's a problem at all for them. Yeah, and they've got the kind of one of the best ranked prospects in the country coming through, haven't they, in, um, uh, in Leonard Taylor. There's the, the guy I shared that video of you the other, other day of like someone trying to chop block him at high school and he just stepped over him and just like ended the quarterback, <laughs> right. which was yeah. a fantastic video. Um, but, you know, when you're getting these five-star prospects, third ranked in Florida, 11 ranked in the country, it's just a non-stop turnover of defensive line talent uh, coming out of the, the Hurricanes. Uh, defense at the moment and and that makes a difference in this league because there are some strong offensive lines like Boston College and stuff like that but then uh, I'd say offensive line is still one of the weaker points in terms of like talent production in this league I mean like my own Florida State it's just been a nightmare for, for the last five years that's the big downfall I mean we've chased James Blackman out of town because he just couldn't stay on his feet we've we've put Jordan Travis in there because he's the guy that's got legs that gets outside the pocket but you know, with Mackenzie Milton back there this year, like that that, that defensive line for, for the Canes is just going to be lethal. And I'm really, really not looking forward to to playing against them in, in, in during the season, obviously. So yeah, I, I definitely think you're right. Miami could do big things. Um I guess UNC is your adopted team last year as well. Um are you doing that this year? Do we know? Are you in the I game? I'm not as in, invested this year. <laughs> no. Very much a fair weather fan because they had a lot of playmakers last year. <laughs> No, that's uh, that's more than understandable, mate. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to watch UNC this year. Obviously, Sam Howell's the the big draw um, mm. for me. Still, probably the best quarterback uh, in this draft at the moment. I think, which in next year's draft, so I'm quite excited to see how he kicks mm. on a bit. Um, if he can kind of actually do anything that to, to separate himself from Spencer Rattler, which is obviously going to be the big debate if it continues in the same sort of way it is at the moment. But also, some of the guys they've got around him this year are really exciting. And obviously, there's a hell of a lot of carries to replace uh, mm. from that backfield of, of Carter and Williams. Um, Ty Chandler transfers in for that. Um, I know former uh, like member of our team, Rob uh, Grimwood's really in on, on, on Ty Chandler, drafting him everywhere in college fantasy football. Cause of the, just because of the workload, he's he mm. set to pick up, which you can completely understand, can't you? So that's, that's to be exciting. And then... Um, at wide receiver they've got Josh Downs who's a guy that I'm incredibly high on um, slot guy incredibly quick uh, double move specialist love watching that and they've got um, they've got Kayafe Brown as well coming back who, who's been out injured like um, brother of Diami Brown um, mm. who's obviously been drafted as well I think went to the Washington football team which <laughs> is still not the Redskins <laughs> still <laughs> did well did well <laughs> did well and uh, and he looks like he could like you know really up the ante and just continue that wide receiver um, production line there as well. So UNC definitely up there with teams to watch. Obviously lost a couple of defensive playmakers. I don't know whether you've picked out any guys that are particularly kind of staring at you from UNC on the defensive side of the ball. So on the defensive side of the ball, you kind of dovetailed really nicely about even planning it because I have Sam Howell as my player to watch. I won't go into that too much. We'll kind of come on to that later. But part of my like spiel about that was going to be that obviously he has lost a lot of offensive playmakers. But on the other side of that, UNC has actually got a fair bit of experienced talent on the defensive side of the ball, plus a couple of nice cornerbacks as well. So they've got Storm Duck, great college name, as we always get. Yeah, yeah. And Tony Grimes as well. I think they're both sophomores, both pretty decent corners. Um, and then they've got Jeremiah Gemmel, who's going to be their main linebacker this year. And he's just going to be an absolute tackling machine. He should really hold it together in the same way that Charles Surratt did last year. 
Um, and they were kind of running together and he's going to have to take that on as, and, and be that kind of leader of that linebacking core. And then I really like the edge rusher, Tamon Fox as well. Um, and think his brother, um, whose name also begins with T, is also the other end as well. Um, right. So yeah, they should be quite a decent partnership. Tamon is, is the better one from my memory um, and what I've got noted down here as well. And yeah, so on the defensive side of the ball, it shouldn't be too bad, although they have lost a couple of players, Surratt, as I mentioned before. Um, and yeah, they've also got Bo Corrales as well, who's going to be that bigger receiver for Howell as well but it's one of them things isn't it with Howell and Rattler because they're you know probably pretty universally sort of uh, thought of sorry as the two top quarterbacks in this draft Howell has just lost all his weapons and then like Oklahoma have got loads of weapons so it's two kind of contrasting situations and how they're going to be kind of viewed from that is going to be really interesting moving into the draft yeah and and his style is for me quite like modern NFL for, for how obviously he's more of a pocket passer, not like a huge threat on the ground, but his anticipation, like the kind of way he gets out of the pocket and still makes a, a play downfield is like, you know, it's, I was trying to think who, who I'd like give the NFL comp to, and it's a bit of a random one, but I think it's almost Ryan Tannehill, like his ability to run is there and he can do it, but he doesn't really want to unless he's kind of forced out the pocket. But when he does, he still looks completely comfortable um, and just makes it, makes it happen. So, yeah, I really like that. I think he's got a stronger arm than Tannehill, mind you, obviously. Yeah, but, 100%. Um, but, but that kind of style of quarterback that prefers being in the pocket but can still do stuff outside as well. I guess we'd better talk about Clemson. Um, defensively, uh, obviously unreal this year. You, you're kind of looking through their depth chart on... It's just name after name, isn't it? But I said that there's a way that they can they can kind of come unstuck. And, and that is if DJ goes down at quarterback, they've got a walk-on as their backup. Um, and so for me, that's a massive red flag. I think they had a couple of guys drafted in the baseball draft um, who they weren't expecting to go and play baseball, but that kind of guaranteed money from that. Mm. They, they've they've lost a couple of quarterbacks. One of their other backups is injured, so Hunter Helms is the is currently the backup quarterback for for the Clemson Tigers. Obviously, we never want to see a player get hurt, but if DJ does go down, I'm incredibly interested to to kind of see how they how they run it. Really, obviously, they, they've lost the star running back as well, so someone's got to emerge from the pack there. Obviously, they've got a few four or five star guys coming through as well. So. You know, if they have to get, turn to a, a run-first offense, it'll be really interesting to see how they do. Um, obviously, not anticipating this at all, but mm. um, but yeah, there's also the point of can they get rid of Georgia in that first game? If they can, then obviously, like we've already said, Kate walked to the end that they're off, and you know that's a playoff team, isn't it? But yeah. what happens if they lose that game and then they've got a obviously they haven't got the most difficult schedule past that? I think they avoid UNC uh, and I think they yeah, uh, avoid Miami as well. So. Yeah. Those guys are, um, you know, so in reality, they've, they've still got to win 11 games there to, to kind of be in the shout. But, you know, we've talked about Oklahoma going undefeated, possibly. Obviously, Alabama and, and Co are all in that conversation as well, Ohio State. If those three were to go undefeated, then you kind of sat looking at Clemson thinking, are you going to get in the playoffs this year? So, yeah, really interesting. Um yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll leave it there on Clemson because I'm sure everyone's like really well versed in them. Unless you want to pull any defensive players out that, that you're particularly excited about. I mean, to be fair, I, I take your point. I mean, I think on Clemson's offense, before I got onto the defense, they, they do lack a little bit of star power in comparison to yeah. recent years, don't they? I mean, you know, one guy who obviously everyone's kind of looking at this year, and thank God he's been cleared, is obviously Justin Ross. But it's whether he'll come back from that injury and be himself. Do you know what I mean? And if he's not, then. 
I know Joseph Natar is is really highly sought of, um, thought of again, um, really you know highly rated coming out, and he got a little bit of ball last year, but he's not a Mike Williams. He's not like a oh, I can't even think of any other Clemson wide receivers now. Those have been a million on the Hopkins or anyone like that. He's not yeah. of that caliber, is he? Um, and you know, Lynn J. Dixon, Kobe Pace, then not Travis Etienne, and you know. It's a downgrade from whoever you're going to have on the centre from Trevor Lawrence, obviously. And you know, again, another lineage of Clemson quarterbacks has come in. So, yeah, I mean, if, if something goes wrong on that offensive side of the ball, then who are they going to turn to? It's, it's a really difficult one. But the saving grace could be the defence because looking, and um, I was saying this to Tristan, who we had on one of the uh, Your Team, Your Say episodes not too long ago, the spine of the Clemson defence is so, so strong. So they've got Brian Breezy, I'll probably talk about a little bit later on when we get to talking about players as well. Um, obviously, a sophomore just looks like an absolute freak. Um, and then you go through the middle, you've got James Skalski, who's you know been there, seems like he's been there forever, um, now a graduate, so he's in his like, fifth year. And then you've got, you know, in the back, you've got Nolan Turner, who again just seems to have been there. For, and they're not, you know, Landon Zanders and Nolan Turner as a safety partnership aren't great, but they're like the backbone of Clemson have been for through this whole time they've been there. They've been a, a great team. And then they've got Andrew Booth as well on the outside, who's going to be a, a really good corner, I think, by looks things. So I think they've got the experience and the know-how and the sort of battle-hardenedness, if that's a word, to kind of tough things out on the defence. Plus, obviously, Brent Venables is a bit of a, a, a like a joker card, isn't he? You know, he's kind of a trump yeah. card in the pack. So, you know, a great defensive coordinator. So I think, yeah, like you say, on the offensive side of the ball, things would go wrong. But I think they'll probably tough it out with, a, with an easy schedule. Um, and obviously playing Georgia in week one, unless someone goes down in the next like couple of weeks, then they're going to be fully healthy. So like you say, cross that bridge and then they should be pretty much okay, no matter what. But yeah, it's interesting to talk about it because this is a bit of a step down from this um, Clemson team, what we have thought about, thought about and, uh, and seen quite recently. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's only a couple of teams even there. Like, obviously everyone loves a potential upset. And I was kind of looking and you've probably got like picked a probably like, probably best place to give them a punch in the nose to be honest and that's like saying so obviously our guy Kenny Pickett's under center up in uh, up in uh, in Pittsburgh but that they've got they've obviously got that defense that if there's a struggle like we've just been saying with the offense that pit defense could could like keep them in a get in a tight game and all you've got then is the odd missed field goal or something to to kind of send you over the edge so yeah it's a really interesting topic but uh, there's obviously lots more teams to talk about and I just want to quickly touch on a couple of the outsiders um obviously mentioned Boston College already and for me Boston College are, are stacked this year there's a I mean I've got a list of six players in front of me who I think are, are already kind of top half of the draft sort of guys in Phil Jerkovic, Say Flowers, Jalen Gill, both at wide receiver, uh, Zion Johnson, Alec Lindstrom and Tyler Rabel on the offensive line as well. Mm. That is a stacked offence. Um, for me, the massive question, weirdly for Boston College, is obviously the run game. Um, they brought in a grad transfer, I forgot his name off the top of my head, to kind of run the ball because last year they, they went from one of the better running teams in, in the uh, ACC with uh, AJ Dillon to just being run-of-the-mill, bang average, couldn't move the ball uh, on, the, on the ground and had to rely on the air game. And that's when things came unstuck, despite having Flowers and Hunter Long and Co last year. So, yeah, I am I hope this team matures as one. They've done well to bring back the, the offensive line. I think that's a key bit. Mm. And uh, like they've obviously got to stop, stop things on the defensive side of the ball as well. But I think this is a team that can outscore people in, in, a, in a gunfight. So that's going to be um, a really interesting one to watch. The other one I'll quickly mention as well, um, before we go into like individual players that we're looking out for, is, is Wake Forest. 
we've kind of always like one of those run-of-the-mill teams, a bit like Utah and Co. I've spoken about in previous weeks. Sam Hartman, Christian Billsmith, and Jakai Robertson, one of the best three kind of combat uh, like quarterback running back wide receiver combos mm. in this division. Like Bill Smith is when you watch him, you kind of think this guy's this guy's going to be like a power guy hitting the holes, but he's so like um, so thick, but also so small in terms of stature that he just his central gravity is great, and he just bursts around the edge of the offensive line, creates his own space. Um, it's really interesting to watch him play. I think he'll be a late pick in the NFL, um, but I think he'll kind of be one of those guys that you know a bit like um, who's the guy on the Eagles at the moment, um, Boston Scott. One of those guys who's like... Um, Just hangs you know, around. Yeah, uh, but also he's very productive when he's actually playing as well. So that's interesting. And and Jakai Robertson, Robert Robertson, I am very high on being like a good high draft pick as well because the way he comes down with the ball on the edge is, uh, is quite something to watch. Yeah, any other team you want to kind of touch on, tall mate? I've still got more written down, but I don't want to go for every one and be like, and this team could be good, and this team could be good. But, uh... To be fair, like we said, there's there's a meaty middle portion, isn't there, of this? One thing I did want to mention about Boston College, because like right up there with, with some of the best teams, is from what I've seen, and obviously when I was having a little bit of preparation for this pod, I noticed that they've got a lot of grad transfers um, and transfers yeah. come in on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, if they can get that offense ticking, like you say, with, with the players that you've got and like that, the offensive line being brought back almost in the hole, it's a fantastic thing to get. Uh, it obviously doesn't happen a great deal yeah. in, in college football. But yeah, I think with given that experience, I think they should be able to, again, like tough it out and just kind of keep the bar low for the offense to jump over and get those points. So I think they're going to be really dangerous, really. But um, yeah, yeah um, to save you from, from going through every team, um, do you want to move on to players? Should probably quickly mention Florida State, shouldn't I? I should <laughs> probably do that. Uh, the, the problem for FSU again this year, like I've already mentioned, the strength of the schedule. Um, it's also the kind of uncertainty. Like we're, we're coming in, we've we've bought in Mackenzie Milton, obviously, great story coming back from that absolutely rank injury at UCF. But for me, I'm, I'm a bit like if he starts, what kind of message are you sending to somebody like a Jordan Travis who was the only star factor on this FSU team a year ago. Um, incredibly talented runner, uh, rusher even. Uh, and one of those guys that uh, you can kind of light a, light a torch paper and off he goes, he's gone. It's great to watch him play. But at the same time, if Norvell's going to use him as a kind of one of those guys, you remember when Lamar Jackson just got drafted and they'd bring him onto the field with Joe Flacco and you'd think they're just going to either hand it off or mm. he's... Uh, and it was like fairly obvious. And, and so it just feels to me like Travis is going to come in for a snap and there's no way he's throwing it because he's not as good a passer as Mackenzie Milton. Mm-hmm. So it's just an obvious run play and the stat the box and, and okay, you might get the, uh, you might like play action or something or turn out of it and do something. But it just feels to me it's a bit signposted. We've got a lot of young talent coming through, I think, in terms of um, uh, like Malik McLean at wide receiver is very exciting for me. Posted a few clips of him from the, from the spring game. But it's just not quite quite there yet. Um, and I think the kind of strength of schedule, it worries me. Um, I think this could be a 4-5 win team, actually, again, um, which isn't great. Won't make them bowl eligible, uh, eligible. And in reality, this is year one for Mike Norvell, isn't it? Last year was a year yeah. zero, just kind of getting rid of it and, and, and starting again. So I'm never going to lose patience with him until three, four, five years down the line. But they've also taken a risk by bringing in a lot of transfers as we've spoken about in our transfer portal episode that goes wrong and they and they've burnt a couple of like young 
um, scholarship, young players coming out on scholarships before that, then you've got to kind of revisit whether that was the right thing to do and, and take a different approach next year. So not expecting a lot for FSU. A win against one of Notre Dame, Miami or Florida would be absolutely excellent. And mm. I would quite happily sign up for one of those in a four-win season as long as that was one of the wins. But uh, we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let me let me ask you this then, just regarding, regarding uh, Mackenzie Milton. Who... Who is this relationship benefiting? Is it for him to come in and be and rehabilitate? Because the way I look at it, obviously, with FSU, Norvell obviously kicked out a load of guys who weren't asked, let's say, last year, to kind of cut a long story short. Yeah. And obviously now it's all about rebuild, which is fantastic. You know, obviously if it's been a bit of a down and building program for a little bit and now obviously need to rebuild with another, you know, good head coach sort of thing. You know, Mackenzie Milton obviously is going to be around for one year and that's it. Is this purely for his benefit or is this to kind of use his experience to bring on these young guys as well? And it also gives Florida State a bit of like oomph as well. Yeah, I think it's almost marketing, isn't it? It's like, um, it, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's purely um, about bringing these young guys on with a bit of like experience behind centre and just to kind of take a bit of the, the kind of panic out when we go like a couple of scores down. But at the same time, he's quite a big name, isn't he, really? Mm, Let's not yeah. lie. that, Like, in a warped way, the injury and the way that it kind of upset that that very good UCF team's like, run, it's been kind of used to our advantage. And he's kind of the early... Fa- like I think we needed a face of the programme, really. We've got, uh, we've got like, a five-star guy who's the number one-ranked guy in the nation currently committed to FSU. Um, Milton's there to kind of encourage that. He's like, you know, we've still got a big draw with these guys that... Um, are well known and, and these big names, so I think I think it's about that and, and just giving somebody like giving Norvell somebody to go. You could come and be this young man over here who's like a stand-up guy. He's Mister mm. Face the Program. This is your future. Whereas with Travis, no, not that he's not like uh, you know great off the field from everything I've seen, he is. But like I mean, what if if you did a ranking of the of the quarterbacks in the ACC at the moment? I mean, he's probably seventh, eighth. So he's not kind of wow, that's great. But with Milton, you kind of probably bump our quarterback room up to fourth or fifth. So it gives you a bit, bit of oomph really. So mm. yeah, that's that's my take on it anyway. So it's kind of a, a, it's kind of a bit of both then, isn't it really? It's, yeah. It's yeah. kind of benefiting both sides of the ball. Fantastic. Like we've mentioned though, there's, there's obviously tons of good teams in that, this division, uh, this conference, sorry. And with that comes a ton of good players as well. Yeah, you've probably got another laundry list there, haven't you? So I'm going to go Come first. There, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go first. And it's, you know, the, the one main one I wanted to mention, but I kind of mentioned it before, Sam Howell. So I'll kind of move on to my second guy who I've got um, noted down. And to, as someone who um, got into college football for the draft, and I'm more focused on like your juniors and your seniors, but, you know, I'm going to mention Brian Breezy. You know, he's a sophomore. It's not just someone usually I'd pay too much attention to at this point, but how can you not? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. He he's just an absolute beast, and you know, five star prospect. Um, you know, he plays with such motor and such ferocity. Like you just can't take your eyes off him. If you're watching any Clemson tape of any draft prospect, you just get drawn to number eleven, the big guy who's running through the middle. And you know, to be fair to him, he's not always running through the middle because he's using him on a lot of stunts and things like that. Like he'll come into the NFL as like a defensive tackle, but with his size, speed, and strength, he's going to play all up and down the line. I won't be surprised if Clemson kind of take the shackles off him a little bit. Um, you know, he got four sacks last year, six and a half tackles for loss, I believe, from rightly, if not getting noted down. But I don't I don't expect that to go anywhere but up. You know, he's going to be absolutely dominant. And you know, we just talked about the Clemson defense, it's going to be a good defense, it's got a lot of experience, and he almost could be the best player on it, even as a sophomore, because 
you know, and he goes back to, um, uh, I can't remember the, the Miami guy who you mentioned before, but his high school tape for, for Breezy is ridiculous. Yeah. He's just yeah. like, it's just one of those high school tapes where you just look at the guy. He's much bigger than everyone. He's obviously much stronger than everyone. He's chucking people out of the way. And parents were saying, I don't want my kids to play against him because <laughs> it, yeah. he's just absolutely destroying people. But um, yeah, I'm going to plant my flag nice and early. And he just reminds me of a player who, as an NFL fan for the Chargers, I get to watch a couple of times here, and that's Chris Jones. Um, I just think he, you know, he's, Brian Breeze is still a little bit smaller. They're a similar height, uh, but he's got about 20 pounds on him. There's still you know, plenty of room to grow and you know, he's still got to play another couple of years of college football. But the way that Jones is just absolutely dominant, he's, he's like incredibly quick and powerful for his size. I just see that in Breezy all day. I just think he's going to be an absolute monster. And I think, you know, top 10 draft pick, you know, I think along the goal yeah. as well. So just a really impressive player, especially because considering he's only played one year of college football and just someone who I'm just going to, anytime I'm watching college uh, Clemson this year, I'm just going to be watching number 11, like I say. Yeah, exactly. No, you're completely right. He's, he's uh, quite something to watch and, yeah, one of those ones where you're kind of watching because it's your team and you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> one of them. Um, another one of those guys for me is um, Zonovan Knight or Van Knight, the, the running back for NC State, mm. who's got a very high pedigree. Um, I, I, you'll have seen if you if you saw our um, ACC offense um, for, the, for the season, the, the preseason all-conference all list, I put Van Knight in there. He's like one of those guys who's... Um, a bit like Jonathan Taylor in, in, in style and kind of abilities. He's very good between the tackles. He's good at taking the kind of dump off from the quarterback if needed. And when he gets into the open field, like he, he doesn't look like he's going to be incredibly quick, but you don't see anyone catching him. He's he's going to be a difference maker for that NC State team. And like I've said to you, I, I'm quite high on this year. I think they've, they've got a really good team with, with some great players around him. But the focal point of that offense is that is Van Knight. I think I think he's a sophomore this year, so obviously got a bit of time before he starts getting that draft hype. But along with Austin Jones, who I mentioned from Stanford, these two guys are my kind of hang your hats on the running back sort of uh, underrated running back guys this year. Van Knight's going to do some big things. Hit me with another one, mate. Hit me with another one. Well, I mean, I was going to talk up the bloke that um, Rajas fell in love with, Iken, Egwanu. I was uh, absolutely butchering that name there. But uh, yeah, go back. Raj, Raj was nailing it when he was when he was talking about him. Obviously, I listened back to that because obviously we're, we're not doing, or I'm not doing the uh, scouting podcast on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, yeah, I went back and I was listening to that and I was thinking, but they other like, Raj absolutely adores this guy. I've not heard too much about him. Yeah. And he is absolutely as advertised. So to stick with NC State, um, yeah, he's like Raj said, absolutely violent. And do you know what? It's a really good tackle class again. I think we've mentioned it a couple of times because we've, we've kind of talked up a couple of tackles. And yeah. I don't know if I think Raj has planted this flag quite early. I think he's, he did say that on that episode. And I don't see too many people kind of talking about this guy, but I do think that he could be absolutely dominant because he, he's exactly what you want. Like in, in an offensive lineman, you want him to be that kind of asshole, don't you? And he wants to absolutely yeah. bury people. And you do see that in him. <laughs> So I was just going to kind of give him a shout out and give Raj's props really because I just think that um, he spotted a good one there nice and early and I know he's kicking out to left tackle and so it'll be a bit more of a challenge for him um, especially because like we've mentioned there are a couple of decent defensive linemen in this division but um, yeah if he kind of comes through that test and I think we say that we've said that about a few people on this episode so already you know if, if they come through that test then their draft stock's just going to go even you know even higher uh, and yeah I think Ikem Okwono could be could be one for sure yeah. No, I like it. Um, I'm going to uh, talk about quarterback I've kind of alluded to earlier. That's Braxton Burmeister mm. at Virginia Tech. Um, obviously, Oregon transfer, 
former four-star recruit, kind of struggled with turnovers and stuff in, in Eugene. That's where Oregon plays. Right, yeah, yeah. that. There you go. Stupid name for a place. Um, but uh, yeah, he came, he, he's come on leaps and bounds, really. He's kind of that former blue chip recruit that kind of has to go down a, down a sort of level in terms of team to, to kind of find their way. But I think that Burmeister is one of the best quarterbacks in this division just because he's developed into a really consistent uh, player. You kind of see him take the snap and read the field really, really intelligently, makes his throw on time, throws people open, really kind of just, you know, under the radar in terms of you don't see him like tilting the ball 40, 50 yards in the air and dropping it into a basket, but he's just on time. And that's all you want, isn't it, in, the, in, in this division where defences are not great, but offences are like, you know, above average. You just want to make sure you can keep up, you kind of move the chains, and that's exactly what he's doing. So I'm, I'm really... Like, I mean, I, I don't like calling quarterback sleepers because it's just like, it sounds like you're just trying to do it in case you, like, in case they get good and you're like, oh, yeah. I was first. <laughs> and it just sound like a bit of a bit of a dickhead at the end, don't you? But um, they, they've got um, it, they've got two wide receivers I'm excited about in Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson as well. So that kind of, you know, that, that kind of trio is going to look good. That They combined for 72 receptions. 1200 yards last year and this year obviously with a, with a full slate of games it's going to be a lot more that he's got um James Mitchell at tight end who's the best tight end in the in the conference unless you're a Will Mallory fan and so kind of all of that combined I think Burmeister is going to have a big year I think he's going to be top three quarterbacks in this this conference by the end of the season with DJU and Phil Jerkovic there's a couple of running guys, obviously Malik Cunningham and um, Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech, who mm. I also love. Um, but in terms of proper, I, I, I said top three, but not including Sam Howell. Top four, Sam Howell's the best one. <laughs> so I'll take a step back there. But yeah, like just very, very good, very consistent. And on that note, I'm going to quickly mention Jameer Gibbs at Georgia Tech as well, who's the like most exciting running back I've seen play against Um Florida State or against like any of the big teams in, in the ACC in a long time, kind of a feeler sort of guy, built like a like a brick outhouse. There we go. Look at that. I've already sworn several times I'll <laughs> stop being Kieran. Um, and and just like in terms of kind of edge speed, gets around the corner and just bursts and, and he's really, really, really good and fun to watch. So if you if you've not seen Jameer Gibbs, you probably haven't watched a lot of Georgia Tech, they're not like an upper echelon team. Just go and watch his highlights because this guy was a freshman last year, coming into his sophomore season, and he is fantastic. So definitely go and watch Jameer Gibbs. Mm. And then obviously, you know, going back to last year, we've got our two guards. I think you mentioned Kenny Pickett, and obviously you mentioned Cunningham just then. We're yeah. still waiting for one of these eggs to hatch, aren't we? For <laughs> one of these guys to get good. <laughs> we are, we are. Um, I, I do like Cunningham, don't get me wrong. Um, he had a tough year last year. Um, I just I just can't see it kind of happening now. I thought last year had to be the year he took a leap because he mm. had a lot of talent around him last year. He obviously Des Fitzpatrick and who's the two to out well, the, the, the Rams took him way too early, by the way. Yeah. Let's let's not get onto that. But but he had a lot of talent around him. Javion Hawkins running the ball as well, didn't he? Right. So yeah. um so, so those three guys are gone. I think last year was the year that Cunningham was going to come out and be a superstar. Lot lot to ask this year, in my opinion. It's always that Joe Burrow. <laughs> it won't be, it won't be Malik Cunningham or whatever, you know, Mikhail Malik, whatever he's been called. That's what he wants to be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Jeff Sims is an interesting quarterback as well, isn't he? It, now that, you know, Georgia Tech aren't running the triple option, 
they you know a, a normal team i'll say a more mainstream team i won't yeah. say normal that's maybe not the right word but he's definitely an interesting guy obviously had a turnover problem last year didn't i think he had just about as many turnovers or picks as he had for uh, touchdowns you know the whole yeah. point of the game forgetting the word um <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he's, he's definitely an intriguing prospect and he's he's still really young isn't he because he was originally on fsu wasn't he and then decommitted yeah. and um went to george tech so yeah one to keep an eye on plenty of like you say you know, we've got three or four quarterbacks that are going to be really good and then there's still some intriguing ones. It's kind of the same for the whole of the conference, really, isn't it? It kind of yeah. does follow the same format all the way through. You know, there's a lot of intrigue. So moving yeah. and into, unless you've got any more players that you want to kind of mention. I was just going to say on Jeff Sims that you've got him to thank for Asante Samuel being drafted so high through two picks through last year. And like, obviously that was really good tape for the Chargers. And from what I've seen so far, I saw a video of Asante Samuel shutting down um, Keenan Allen, Allen earlier. And I was just thinking that's, that's an absolutely excellent pick by you in the second round. So I think that's going to develop very well. Yeah. He, just to kind of take a little bit of a side note and the tangent onto the NFL. Yeah. He's been absolutely fantastic in camp so far. Looks to be trending towards being the starter, even though he wasn't, you know, he was kind of like, no, we can't, you know, because he's a rookie. We'll kind of come in like later in the season. But no, I think he's like going to be a start week one. Um, alongside Michael Davis and Chris Harris Jr. as well. So, yeah, really excited to see Samuel. And he's saying all the right things as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, man, yeah. Good stuff. So, in, moving then towards um, kind of wrapping up and kind of our kind of overview from kind of final thoughts for this then. Who's playing Clemson in the in the conference championship final then? We'll kind of bring it full circle. Do you know what? I, I hate doing it, but I think it's going to be Miami. Um, I think... I, well, to me, it's whoever wins that game out of uh, UNC and Miami, uh, whichever team wins that is the one that, 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 mm. that um, that's playing against Clemson. There's an outside chance it could be uh, kind of Virginia Tech um, if they get going well enough. They've obviously got the weapons I've just talked about, but you just can't look past North Carolina or, or Miami, can you? But uh, And for me, outside of Alabama, um, Miami have got the slightly easier schedule I think Notre, Notre Dame's a tougher opponent for North Carolina than Michigan State is for Miami mm. and, and so for me I'm going to I'm going to give the nod that way yeah I'm going to be I'm going to be boring I'm going to have to agree with you I, just, I don't see it really going any other way I just think out of the there's probably the three that we've talked about quite a lot there's UNC Miami and Boston College that are going to be the sort of upper middle class I'll say of this conference moving forward and, and for this year and I just don't see it any other way. I mean, you've taken you know, the words out of my mouth almost that their schedule after my uh, after Alabama. And, you know, and I know we kind of dunk on crit, um, good losses and things like that quite a bit. But if they like put up a decent show against Alabama, because you know, we'll talk about this next week. So obviously, we're going to talk about the SEC for our final uh, conference preview. I don't think it's as good an Alabama team as we've seen for quite a bit either. So, you know, if they yeah. can put on a bit of a show, catch them cold maybe early in the season, and, and even if they get, you know, get beat, but maybe it's only by a score or 10 points or something like that, then, you know, it doesn't look too bad, does it? When, you know, Alabama went through the whole season and pretty much no one went close to them last year. Exactly. Did you think there's, uh, do you think Miami or Carolina is like a top 10 team in the country? Like when, when the rank, like final rank at the end of the year? I think so. Because if, if you know, again, we kind of went through this a little bit last week, didn't we, with the Big Ten. And do you know what? I think if, I think both of those teams could get eight, nine wins for sure. Because like you say, you've yeah. got UNC, you've got Notre Dame, and then you've got a couple of power five, obviously, you know, out conference games for Miami. But apart from Alabama, they could win them, like I said before. So, you know, if you're going through and then you've got that almost like conference semi-final almost when you're between the two of them. Um, later in the year, I think it's like Halloween, I think. But um, yeah, if, they, if whoever kind of comes through that, and then if they've won the rest of their schedule or you know the vast majority of it, then yeah, I don't see why not at all. 
not going to get yeah. a playoff team uh, you know, apart, apart from Clemson. But yeah, like going back to our kind of hypothetical scenario last week when we had you know the expanded playoff in there, those two teams would make it no problem, I think, next year, if that's yeah. the case. Fingers crossed, man. Yeah, um, outside of that, there's not really a lot, lot more to say. It's just one of those conferences where I always find the middle far more exciting than than watching like Clemson. I never really watch Clemson games. It's just always a blowout, isn't it? So mm. those games like some of them like NC State, Wake Forest and stuff, I'm going to be all over this year. Just really interesting teams to watch and and kind of those are the ones that always go down to the, the final play of the game. So, mm. yeah, if they're on BT Sport, then then like, don't don't turn your nose up, guys. Get stuck in, man. There's some good games in there. That's it. That's exactly it. You know, BT Sport have got a horrendous um, kind of problem with just putting on the biggest teams, haven't they? They never put on an interesting game. You know, if there's a if there's an Alabama who's going to win by 50 points, then they'll put it on or something yeah. similar to that. So, yeah. yeah, like you say, get on your other sources of finding these games, <laughs> let's say, and yeah, watch some of these middle of the road games in this conference because it's, it's a real good conference and a conference with a lot of playmakers, as we've said. But as we've kind of said, we will be previewing the SEC next week. So, uh, so yeah, join us for that. Um, should be a big one because obviously, again, we've got a lot of good teams to talk about. And spoiler, I'm not going to uh, make Kieran happy. So there you go. <laughs> is that out um, of spite or is that out of like? Yeah, both. <laughs> yeah, we can definitely get on board with that. So, I'm all uh, here. Arkansas yeah. fans, tune in. Everyone yeah. loves Arkansas. <laughs> so you're still, uh, still on that train from last last year. Then. I bought some shorts with the, with the hog on and I was like, this is great. It looks like absolutely excellent. And the problem is with my, with my college football teams I say teams but Florida State's my main team and Arkansas they've got a problem they've got like claret colours and obviously mm. I can't wear like a blue t-shirt with the claret shorts so it's a lot of like I just can't yeah. wear villa colours whatsoever so it's a bit of, <laughs> I, I did it once on by accident I saw my dad and he was and he, he gave me one of his t-shirts to put on instead I was like that's that's <laughs> that's how serious of a crime I'd committed <laughs> <laughs> to be fair that is that is like me obviously the fan I've not really ever worn red outside yeah. of maybe wearing an England shirt every now and then and it just doesn't go. So, yeah, just yeah. can't be done. <laughs> but, yeah, like we say, tune in next week, um, next Thursday for us, for we um, hitting you up with some SEC previews. But, yeah, until then, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards. Thank you for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Where we have great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.